Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. This week, I got to interview a wonderful, incredibly creative, beautifully spoken woman named Arielle Astoria. Arielle is a spoken word poet, author, and speaker through words that can't only be heard, but demand to be felt and experienced. She wholeheartedly believes that each person has been given a gift, a gift that ultimately becomes a key to unlocking and releasing not only individual freedom, but the freedom of others as well. Ariel had so much good to say, and it was so fun to rediscover her just the magic in her words, and to remember that the first time I ever heard of her actually was. I think maybe four or five years ago, a good friend of mine sent me, I was going through a rough patch, she sent me one of her spoken words called, This Is For You. And This Is For You was just filled with the most encouraging, loving, well-needed words for me in that moment. And getting to revisit her work and read the magic in her words again was so life-giving. And getting to hear her story. Oh my goodness, what a story. She talks so much about growing up with insecurities and it's such an incredible story learning about how just the steps that she took to learn to love herself and a big part of that story was that she learned in college that she wanted to become a leader of other young women and help them love themselves and that's when she realized that she also needed to do that for herself and that was a really incredible start of her journey. Ariel is an Enneagram 4, which is very much a deep feeling, one of the numbers, and one that I have learned so much from, from the different Enneagram 4s in my life. So, so much important wisdom when it comes to emotional intelligence and feelings and just the importance of that in your life. And it was really fun getting to talk to Ariel about that because that's something I've actually wanted to talk about a lot more in my podcast was the Enneagram and how our different numbers affect our relationships with our bodies. So that was really fun. But anyway, Ariel talks about how loving ourselves is a craft, a practice, a daily work. And we visit some of her poetry just real quick for an example. I read back to her a quote from a piece that I loved that said, what if the thing that we're afraid of is not that it doesn't exist, but that it has lived inside of us all of this time and we called it foolish. Ariel was uh, talking about magic in that piece. And I love that so much because it just speaks to pieces of me that I feel like have been silenced throughout my life. She talks about how owning your magic diminishes the smallness that we were never meant to feel or operate in. And oh my gosh, every word that she uses to describe all of these things is just so beautiful. So I'm going to stop talking now and let you go listen to what she herself has to say because it just, it brought so much life to my life. So I hope that you enjoy. If you guys are enjoying the Unity Project podcast and you want to support me and get more involved in what I'm doing, then you can go check out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash JackieGTV. That is where you can support me for as little as $1 a month. Or if you'd like to learn more about my story and how I got from there to here type of thing, then you can check out my book, Finding Home. That is the story of me looking for what 
the meaning of home is and how to find home inside of my own body. If you want to pick up a copy of that, then either send me a DM on Instagram or check out my website. All of that information, the links will be in the description box below. Or if you want to support me but cannot afford to do so financially right now, then leaving a review anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Podbean, leaving a review down there, letting people know what you think, that is extremely helpful. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. Ariel, how is it going over there in California? <laughs> it's going well. It has been like a little overcast, so it makes for really cozy mornings. Um, and yeah, things are kind of starting to pick back up again, um, which has been really interesting. And so, yeah, it's going it's going pretty well. Yeah, that is awesome. I'm actually headed your way starting tomorrow. Me and my partner are driving out from Nashville over to California. So I get uh-huh. so excited when I hear people in California just talk about anything about it. I'm like, I'm on my way. Hold on. <laughs> yes, that's exciting. I love, I do love me some Nashville though. So you're oh. coming, you're coming from a good, a good spot. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ariel, I am so stoked to be talking to you today. For those listening, who, if you don't know for some reason, Ariel is a poet, speaker, author, digital storyteller, and just an incredible, incredible human being who brings the most beautiful, beautiful words to such important feelings and stories and all of the things. Um, I actually, (laughs) the first time I realized this later after emailing you, but the first time I heard uh, one of your spoken words is a good friend of mine named Megan sent it to me years ago. I think it's, it's the one called mm-hmm. This Is For You. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. sent that to me so long ago. I was in such a rough spot. And I remember <laughs> listening to that so many times. And I just put the pieces together like two days ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, that's the person I'm interviewing. Wow, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, oh, it's so special. Well, Arielle, the first question that I generally ask people on here is to describe the relationship that you have with your body. Mm. I love that. Um, I feel like in this present moment, in this current season, I, my body and I are trying to like, um, not reintroduce ourselves to each other, but I definitely feel like within the pandemic space, I kind of just like let her be, you know, like I, I work out just because I need to, um, for my creativity to sustain energy and all that fun stuff. But it wasn't really about, um, looking a certain way or anything like that. And so I really let, um, this last season be a season of, of hibernation, um, in a season of like, what, what does my body need to feel safe? Um, and sometimes that was a glass of wine. Sometimes that was going for a walk. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it was um, this like very specific cake from a very specific <laughs> store, you know? And so really just like leaning into that constant question of like checking in and like, hey, what what do you need to feel safe today? Or or what do you need to f- do to feel connected today? So is that like I wake up and I don't do, you know, a traditional strength training. I just get on my yoga mat and I just stretch however I need to stretch. And so being really 
gentle. I think that is the season I'm in right now. It's just a very gentle season. Um, and especially like getting back into the busyness and, and of things in life kind of slowly starting to pick back up and not just rolling myself in, in the busyness um, and in the hurdle, but keeping that question of like, what is rest here? What do you need to feel safe? And what do you need to feel connected? Oh, I love that. I love the just like in the moment intuitively looking for what it is that you need. Just like you Mm -hmm. said, like a specific cake or a glass of wine Mm -hmm. or literally anything. I think that that is so special. Just the ability and the desire to listen to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick. What is that like for you right now? With the whole, like, the world starting to open up a little bit. I've heard mm-hmm. so many people talk about, like, this anxiety that I can hardcore relate to about just yeah, kind of, like you said, coming out of the hibernation. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's like this very strange paradigm of I'm, I'm starting to, like, have more in-person um like not events necessarily, but, but, but being able to go and film, um, in a studio and with, um, and with a team and being able to like interact with people again, I'm just both my husband and I are both, um, fully vaccinated and being able to see our families and just like all of this, like, Oh, like life has literally been a pause, you know, for a year now. And, um, and we got married in the pandemic. So we're now like reintroducing ourselves, like as a married couple, as we're like going back into the world. So we're seeing people or I'm going to events and it's like, Oh, congratulations, by the way. And I'm like, Oh yes, (laughs) because I haven't seen you in a year, you know? And so it's really, um, I was telling someone yesterday, my sister, actually, she graduated from grad school last year, but was able to walk this year. So they did like an actual walk graduation for them yesterday outside. And then she had like a little party and we got to like meet all our friends outside in the backyard. And it was just like so lovely. And I was telling one of the girls, I was like, it kind of feels post blip. If you're <laughs> familiar with anything in the Marvel series, it's like this like return where people who were gone and no idea where they went for five years are now being brought back into society and we're relearning how to merge the two and figure out placement of everything and it feels very much so like that it feels very much so like ninth grade all over again of just like how do I have conversations <laughs> how do I make eye contact you know like how do I not want to recluse and so it's been a mix of all of that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is a really good way of describing it. I like, <laughs> before the pandemic, I felt like I was the biggest extrovert. And now I get so right. drained after like an hour of hanging out with someone that hasn't been in my like, my mm-hmm. like quarantine pot. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what happened? It's such, right. it's such an adjustment. The way you said it's like ninth grade all over again is so perfect. <laughs> yes. oh, just learning, yes. learning how to be social again and learning how to feel a part of the world right yeah Yeah. well Ariel I love I love the way that you described your relationship with your body well take me back to a time when you felt the most disconnected from yourself that you can remember and like what kind of what kind of was that experience like for you yeah so I think the time I remember most was just like this season where um you know, I was getting ready to step into um, marrying my partner and 
um, and not everyone agreeing with that and that being really hard for this oldest child mind of mine um, and perfectionist and the person who likes to be in the room um, and not necessarily make people like her, but I just like to know that I'm accepted, you know, that I'm doing good things. Mm-hmm. And and so being in this season where, you know, it wasn't, you know, a, a thing that could be applauded. Um, it wasn't something that I could have everyone's support for all the time and having to trust um myself in that season was so hard um I I feel like I had a lot of anxiety I couldn't make a whole lot of decisions on my own um because I didn't trust myself entirely you know like if I can't be approved for this one big decision that I'm going to make in my life then like what other decisions am I going to mess up you know um how can I listen to myself um if I can't trust myself um and ultimately just like the drowning out of a lot of shoulds um in the conversation and really having to relinquish those um and come back to like I can trust myself um, I can trust my voice um, and the guiding and the leading that I have, like wrestling and sitting inside of me. Um, but that season, I felt I told my counselor then that I felt like I was watching someone else live my life a little bit. Oh. Um, like I was watching this body move and exist, but I was not the one in it, you know? And it was this very literally out of body experience. Um, and then it was like this slow returning back to, yeah, back to myself, back to trusting myself, back to living fully in my body and, um, and in my mind and, and finding home and solace there. Mm. Wow, that's such a, a good, vivid way of explaining how it feels to be disconnected is like watching yourself from afar. I, mm-hmm. I used to talk about, Talk about it in a similar way of like, I feel like I was like floating above watching my body just go through the motions and <laughs> mm-hmm. do what it's like supposed to do to get by, but I'm not a part of it. It's so yeah. strange that feeling when you're disconnected. Mm-hmm. Man, what was it like when you were like a kid growing up? Like what, what kind of messages did you get from your peers, from society, from anyone about what your body meant and like what it meant for you to be a woman with a body in the world, there's so many things. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I I mean, I grew up fairly insecure. Um, I tell this story a lot because it kind of adds to the transition of this woman now on stage and modeling swimsuits. Um, but that yeah, I grew up just like very unaware of my own self. Um, I'm shaped a lot like my dad. Um, who also, for context, is um, an ex-quarterback. Um, so that you can just imagine what that did for a teenage girl's <laughs> self-esteem mm-hmm. of just always feeling feeling and physically being taller, bigger than all my friends who I kind of affectionately called like Tinkerbells and Pixies um, because they were just so cute and so um, petite and, and guys liked them and I just was not that um I often felt like um kind of the opposite I felt like an ogre in a lot of times of my friend groups and just not not the pretty one not the accepted one um so I was really insecure I was 
and that insecurity kind of transcended into like a quiet. Um, so just like very to myself, um, very hidden um, to the point of actual clothing that was like big and baggy. And like I had this one camouflage skirt that I lived in. So when I say like hiding, like I literally mean I was I was physically trying to hide. Um and I think for the most part, like my parents really instilled in all of me and my siblings, like you're beautiful, you are loved, you know, and it was kind of like, yeah, but you're my parents. So you have to say that, you know, I want to know what the real world means. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily get like bullied or told, you know, that I was a certain type of way, but boys would just pick on me or be like, oh, your breasts are bigger than other girls. Why is that? Um, you know, and things like that. And um, really just like sitting with that, like I'm different kind of thing. And that being instead of like a force that kind of fueled me instead being what kind of broke me in that season until I got to high school and I started to be around um, other students who looks like me in color and in shape and um, find more of a solidarity there. But that first wave of just like, how do I be here? And this body kind of took up until college for me to really realize what it meant to come home and be here. Mm. Wow, that is such a journey. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I can just, oh, it like breaks my heart to think of little, <laughs> little baby Ariel feeling that way. Mm-hmm. My gosh, what, what was it like in college that kind of shifted things for you? Like, I'm sure the, the journey through high school of feet feeling like you belonged more and fit in more with the people that were around you. But what did that transition look like into college? Yeah. So my sophomore, my sophomore year, I actually, um, I was a resident advisor for, for freshman girls and getting into this like wave of, wanting to be like I want to tell them that they're beautiful and loved and I want to just like encourage and equip them and it was kind of like okay but you're a hypocrite because you don't even believe that for yourself Mm. and I was like oh so I had to sit with that work of like how am I gonna go and encourage other women remind them of their value um, and their enoughness. And I don't even believe in my own. Um, And so I really started to do that internal work of like, I can't, I can't preach this. I can't speak this if I'm not living it. Um, And on this, on, on our training to be a resident advisor, we have to go on this 10 day backpacking trip. And I was very terrified for this trip. I was like, I have never backpacked in my life. My body cannot do this. Like, this is going to be awful. And so I trained out of fear. I trained out of anxiety um, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I finally get on this trip. And one of the days we have to lead our team in, a, in, in the trails, one of the trails. And I'm leading my team. Um, and I could hear my guide behind me. And he was like, are oh, you have to you have to slow down you're going too fast and I was like all right that's weird I'm not going too fast but okay and then again we're walking 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 he's like no seriously are you like you have to slow down like we got to stay together as a team and it was this moment where I was like oh my goodness I've only told you what you couldn't do I've only told you what you weren't and I never acknowledged my body for what she could do 
how she could, how strong she really was. And so I just remember I have this really gentle holding myself moment of like, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry I didn't see your worthiness. I'm so sorry that I didn't, I just compared you to other people. Um, when you are just as strong and just as beautiful and just as wildly at home um, as anyone else's body for anyone else. And so that was kind of a breaking moment. And then I get my girls on campus and we have a team teammate on Mondays and, and one of the girls sits there and she's like, how do you find value in yourself? And that kind of spiraled this whole year of learning that for myself as I'm also guiding and these freshman girls into learning what that means for them too. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love how all that started because of your desire to bring that same message to the young girls around you. That mm-hmm. oh, that just holds up such a such a mirror for yourself. I love how that journey looked. My gosh. And what an important time in your life, like the beginning of college. That's like when life like really starts to be able to mm-hmm. have that just that moment with yourself and that that softness towards your body and realization yeah. of your own strength so beautiful yeah um, yeah thank you yeah so you're a, you're an enneagram four wing five right mm-hmm. yeah. okay did you when did you first hear about the enneagram and like did you like know about that in college and growing up at all um, not quite in college, but shortly after. So in, I was a psych major, so had a lot of personality conversations about Myers-Briggs and, um, you know, the different type of strength tests and things like that. But I didn't start hearing about the Enneagram until, yeah, until about college time or like post-college time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. I guess like from the lens, I've always wanted, I've always wanted to ask this question to guests, but I never have. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for it with you. (laughs) But through the lens of like your Enneagram type, uh, how Mm -hmm. would you describe like how that affects your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your body? And I guess whenever you did realize about or did get to know the Enneagram, looking back, what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, well, so, and your Enneagram fours tend to have this perception and that we are inherently flawed. So I kind of feel like that kind of sets up um, just like that journey for me um, of just this constant need um, to fix something in me and yet not always being able to pinpoint the thing to fix. Um, but in that season of journeying with my body, the thing to fix or the thing that was inherently flawed was my body, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I think that's kind of transcended into just like me feeling like an odd person out or just like, you know, my art forms and things like that. And then, and then there's this embracing of uniqueness, um, which I think is where the healing kind of comes in with with being an Enneagram for of like, no, like it's not an inherent flaw. It's this distinctness to me. Um, it's this unique attribute of like how I am meant to operate and be in this world. But that thin, it's a very thin line um, that we as force tend to teeter on in terms of like um not feeling like we are inherently flawed or or beyond love or beyond repair or beyond um acceptance really um but that it's this uniqueness that allows us to operate in this world differently yeah 
Oh, I love that. I love that because I, so I'm an Enneagram 7 and I think one of the, one of the types that I've found have helped me grow the most has always been type fours because mm. they just, they challenge me in a lot of ways that I don't naturally I don't naturally, um, I guess, challenge myself. Like a lot of the stuff about like the deep feeling and just seeing the world as a metaphor in so many different ways has been, Mm -hmm. it's just so special and so helpful. So I was really excited to to ask you that. Mm -hmm. But my gosh, if that whole feeling, the flawed came through your body, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you, or I guess like when you found out about the Enneagram and you kind of like had that, well, I mean, I don't know what that journey looked like for you, but when I found it, I like had this big self-discovery moment and this big self-reflection moment of like, oh my gosh, wait, that's why that happens. And this is why, and it it took forever Mm -hmm. for like the unraveling, but I felt like I was finally understanding myself and I made Mm -hmm. sense for the first time. Did that happen with you? Like, what was that like? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I've always been fascinated with, like, personality things, you know, and trying to figure out, like, who am I? I love that question. I think that's why I studied psychology was, yes, because I knew to some capacity I would be working, you know, I would be working with people and I wanted to understand people better and all that fun stuff. But it was mostly um, because I wanted to understand myself, like, how do I live and operate in this world? And if I can understand that, then I maybe I could help understand other people and then thus love them better um and so when I found out about the Enneagram I think I was like super I was very fascinated by it at first and I was like okay this is really cool but the depths of the Enneagram I think for me is what really I found the most profound um in a sense of it's not just this is how you are and this is how you operate but it's this is why you might operate this is way you know like these are the kind of traumas and um these are the kind of upbringings that you might have grown up with and thus creating this response for you and so I was like Ooh, yes like I love that like let's dive into that and then this is where my my um my Enneagram 5 kicks in real hard of like I didn't buy like the more self-help like talk about it books like I bu- bought like the textbook like the Enneagram mm. textbook of yes. like I want all the rich information you know oh, yes. um, and so I really like dove into that I would travel with it and take it to my parents house and be like what answer these questions like we need to figure out um what your type is and so I think I loved just like um hearing the different types and and ultimately it being not a test um but a, a assessment or a conversation more so um where you get to ultimately decide what you identify with and I think with a lot of personality conversations and um personality assessments it's you take these tests you answer these questions and you're told um what you're what you could be you know an ENFJ and INFP, whatever. Um, but with the Enneagram, it's you, you, you usually knew your type. This is how I would tell people. I was like, it's probably your type if it either one makes you cringe or makes you cry. Um, oh. Because it talks about those inner closet things um, yeah. that we don't always bring to the surface. And I find that the most beautiful, um, I think, um, because it really dives into the depths of who we are and 
um yeah and then just like i love the art forms that have come out of it i there's this artist sleeping at last who does um he did a song for each type um and i knew like i was a four because not i didn't just weep at my own song but i weeped at everyone else's too because i was like oh it's so beautiful like yes. he's just describing people so beautifully and i feel so beautiful and so seen and so that has kind of been like, yeah, a process of, of learning about that and, and why I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love sleeping at last. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I love them. I loved that, that album so much. And I definitely teared up so yes. more than just teared up, but all the things that they mm-hmm. need Grim Summon song, but they do, they did such a brilliant job of just bringing so much light to what makes each number so special and mm-hmm. unique. And, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, um, I love how you talked about going to like the full on textbook and wanting to know mm-hmm. all the answers. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, I think I believe the seven goes to five in like integration mm-hmm. or something. So I get really, I just totally nerd out on science <laughs> textbooks. Have you uh, heard of, I forget what it's called, but it's like something about neurology and the Enneagram. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, tell me more about that. Oh wait, hold on one second. Kaylee, what was that book called? Neuroscience, maybe? Okay, sorry. My, my partner is the one who showed me the book a long time ago. Yeah. She said, Neuroscience and the Enneagram. I don't remember. But it's like <laughs> the most beautifully painted book, first of all. Like, mm. it's just a present for your eyes and your mind. Mm. And it, it kind of combines those, like, the super nerdy side of me that, like, wants to know all the, like, big whys and, like, what part of my brains are lighting up? And then the side that, like, loves just the self-discovery and, like, oh, that's why I do this. But, yeah. Yeah. If I find out more about it, I will send you a, a picture over email yes, or something. Please do. If anything, just to look at the pictures, it is so beautifully designed that I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. But, anyway, Ariel, so you, you are a, a poet, speaker, author, all the things. How did that start like were you always a writer growing up is that how you expressed yourself mm-hmm. yeah so um I kind of I've always written I had growing up I had lots of journals um and I wrote a little bit about you know crushes and how my day went and things like that but I've always <laughs> needed to kind of verbally um internally and written process things that's just like how I best kind of understood myself and the world around me um and then that started to turn into um more poetry form like a lot of sunset poetry a lot of just like poems about um boys with blue eyes and things like that and so that and I would really only share those with my mom and um, they didn't really go anywhere um I just kind of kept them to myself and then I went to an arts high school and I studied theater there Um, and I started to write a little bit more in the realm of like monologues and short plays and things like that. And that really opened up this beautiful door because I think for me at that season, I was still learning how to be vulnerable with myself um, and with my story. But if I could be vulnerable on behalf of other people, that felt like a little bit more safer. Um, So being able to dive into these characters um, or real people, like I wrote quite a few monologues um, in the perspective of Coretta Scott King Jr. about what it would have been like to know and love Martin Luther King, not as this like historical figure, but 
as a partner and as um, um, a lover. And um, I also wrote in the perspective of Emmett Till's mom, um, what it would have been like for her to lose um, a child to that capacity. And so tapping into that um, and then in college starting to get more into the spoken word um space but writing has always been my through line if you will um it's kind of always been how i came back to um myself and how i came back to understanding the world around me as well mm. oh yeah that makes that makes so much sense i've heard people talk about like in writing books i guess for example like how the way you really will get to know an author is through reading their fiction versus like their mm -hmm. memoir because mm -hmm. you just feel so much more free i've noticed to like go behind a character and tell your story or tell your truth right like, it takes away so many of i guess like I don't even know what to call it. I want to say threats, but not even threats. It just takes away right. the fears of being different or being called out for like, you think that or this, but it's like you mm -hmm. get to experience that in a really safe, fun way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's really special. And I love that that's been a way for you to get to know yourself so much and yeah. reflect and it's just so good. I feel like when I'm, when I'm a journal, I like to journal like every morning for the past, mm. I don't know how many years, but it's just like this time for me to actually hear what I'm thinking, mm -hmm. like total just freeness there for my brain to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you feel like you feel? Well, this might not even be a fair question because I have no mm -hmm. idea, but what do you, what do you think you feel the most connected to, I guess, personally, or when do you feel the most connected to yourself? Like whether you're doing like spoken word out loud to an audience or writing poetry, like in like your writing spot or working on, I know you co-wrote two uh, poetry books, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, what do you feel the most personally connected to? I think they're all um parts of like what makes the wholeness of feeling connected to myself like mm. there's a piece of me that that comes to life and thrives with being on stage um, and being in an audience of people and um, but then there's also this other quiet part of me that loves you know being in my desk at my desk with my candle lit and my instrumental music playing you know and I'm talking to myself because I'm trying to write something or create something and um then there's like another part of me you know that shows up beautifully just post those moments with people um and hearing their stories and how it relates and connected back to my own and so I think there's versions um of me that kind of make up this wholeness and they each play a, a huge part um as as a space of being able to come back to the fullness of self and what that looks like but I definitely see these like flashes almost of like all these different versions of me and then finally coming back to just the single standing one oh that's so good because there's so many like so many countless layers of who you are and what makes you you that I love that there's all these different outlets for you to explore that in. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I was listening to another podcast that you were on. I think it's the one that is in your bio. I think it's called the Woke Podcast or Woke Beauty Podcast. 
Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was listening to that, and I think you were saying something that really got my attention about... I'm pretty sure the host was asking you like what your writing process looks like or how you come mm-hmm. up with the poems and whatnot that you do. And your response was so cool to me because they were mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not really a process, but you just kind of write what you experience and write what you see because you see the world through these, mm-hmm. through these like artistic storytelling metaphorical ways. I don't even know if that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did, tell me about that. Cause that's so different than my mind. And I always have this big interest in almost like enviness of people who see the world through that much color. Like, what is that like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely say like, it's not, it's not quite a process. It's more so, um, spilling. I think there's like two versions of me writing. There's just me just free form, just flowing. Um, usually that's sparked by conversation, could be sparked by a yoga class, could be sparked by um, a tree at a park. Um, and that is kind of like this, like, oh, are you ready? Do you have something to write this down? Because it's coming right now. Um, and then there's the other part of me that is more like going into the curated space of like I'm writing something very specific and and so the music is on the candle is lit and I'm trying to create this atmosphere um for me to show up to the work essentially um and but it in every instance it definitely is just this very much so like a feeling um I kind of call myself a sponge a lot of times of just like I just soak up and soak up and eventually the writing is the spilling process it's it's the releasing of all these things I've soaked or I've taken in um and now I can actually respond back to it almost and this very full circle moment. I don't think I've, I truly have resolve in, in many things. I've less, I've come back down to, um, being able to write it down on paper. Um, and yeah, it's a very fluid, a very not so always controlled, um, which is great sometimes. And then also not great a lot of other times as well. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. That makes sense. How do you feel like your connection with yourself, like becoming more connected and becoming more loving and tender towards yourself and your body? How has that like played a part in your writing journey? Yeah, well, I think both are our practice, essentially. Um, like, I think I'm at a point in 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 my work and even in my body of I've done this so many times now, like I can sit and write a poem, you know, pretty quickly because it just, I've exercised that, you know, I've, I've practiced that. I've worked on that. Um, and seeing goes from my body. Like I can understand and know and in a pretty quick moment, what my body needs because I practice listening, you know, I practice tuning in. And so I think the correlation of the two um, is they're both a craft, you know, to love ourselves is a craft, is a practice, is is a daily work. Um, and also to do these things that we call careers or professions or, or giftings are also a craft that takes practice and diligence and work um, and both take a tuning in um, to self that's really tender and really intimate. Um, and I think. I love, I love living there in that space and knowing how to be like, Hey, where am I today? Um, what's, what's happening around me today and how am I responding to it? 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I feel like it almost, it's almost inseparable, I guess, in my opinion and from my experience of like a connection with yourself in writing well, honestly, because mm-hmm. I noticed such, such a difference in me, I guess, like pre, pre really like the noticing of my body and the reconnection of like what that writing looked like versus what writing looks like after when you're actually in tune because. Oh man, there's so, there's just, there's so much to say about that as a whole, mm-hmm. of like what it means for you to be connected to your body in regards to being mm-hmm. connected to the world. Cause I don't know if we really can be that connected to the world and the people around us if we're not connected to ourselves. Cause it's, it's kind of like if you, mm-hmm. you know how they, they say like, if you try to numb out pain, you end up numbing out like all the emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of it feels like that to me. Like if you're trying not to connect and notice yourself, is it possible to connect and notice deeply in other in other things? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I think um, I don't know the uh, I don't know the opposing question to this because I <laughs> I always feel very deeply, um, and I kind of live in in that space of like walking in a room and just a very tangible presence, you know, or a very tangible um, feel. So I don't know how to, how to turn that off, how to turn that off necessarily. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I want to say, um, yes, you know, for that, um, for the, com- for the, for the people who don't uh, literally live in their emotions. Um, and also just like the constant balance. So I think there is a, there is a protecting that happens though. Um, when we do tap into that emotional um, depth space. And so I'm getting to the point where we can exercise that more um, freely with ourselves um, and, and not have the weight and fear of not being um, held for all of that at the same time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, is it okay if I read you so I was listening to your your spoken words and I picked out two quotes from you that I think are really, really good representations mm. of you talking about your relationship with yourself and considering your body like home, which is the most beautiful way someone can see their body because that's so true. And that's the beginning of the most important journey, I think. Um, can I read you each of them and then you kind of talk to me about what you feel for them? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first one, you said, slowly becoming who I was, always meant to be. It's like meeting a distant yet longed for piece of you that has always reminded you of home. I am home. Mm-hmm. What What does that mean to you? Um, yeah, I think, so that is from um, my poem. Let's see. It's so weird hearing it. <laughs> I was thinking that when I was saying it. it. I was like, I hope I'm reading no, this. One. No, no, no. You read it beautifully, but I was like, it kind of had a whole different connotation. You know, my brain starts going like, oh my gosh, like I know this poem, but also just it being read back to you is its its own um its own thing that I think yeah. is um, really beautiful. But um Yes, yeah, so that is from my poem um, "Magic," and mm-hmm. um, I I wrote that poem for various different reasons, and but also part of it was 
um, an I am poem um, that I wrote with my students um, and being able to describe ourselves. I like to do an I am poem kind of like every six months to a year just to see how much I've changed um, and compare them to past I am poems. And so that poem itself was um, kind of coming in this season of of being told, you know, you're changing or you're different um, and realizing like, no, I'm I'm just literally coming back to who I've always been, you know, and it might be unfamiliar to you because it's growth. Um, but I think it's less of a changing um, and more of an unfolding process of like, I'm just pulling back all the layers and all the petals of who I already am. Um, and it's just, this is, it's a new space of spring. It's a new space of becoming. And so that, in that poem, um, kind of like hearing that you're changing your different narratives and those not being negatives, but instead of like, no, I'm just returning home, um, back to this person who, uh, is not really changed, but just unfolding these layers of who, of who she is and who she's kind of always been. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how much I love that. That's been mm. such a theme for me, I guess. I can't remember who I heard it from first. I want to say my therapist, probably her, because all, mm. <laughs> all of the things that I think are wise are always somehow rooted back to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she talked a lot about how like through this... Oh, you know what? I actually think it's Glennon Doyle. Please tell me. Mm, even okay, better. Yes, he, even <laughs> better. Oh, my. Her podcast comes out today, and I'm so yes. excited. Yes. Oh, I know. Two second celebration for her. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she talks a lot about like how growing up is like a, an unbecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I love that so much because it's like the more healing I find the more true to my like original self like we're not trying to become this thing or like reach this version of something but it's more like peeling back the layers of like what the world and society told us we had to be and figuring out Mm -hmm. who we've been the whole time and Mm -hmm. that feels so safe and so sacred to me because it's like it's been with you the whole time you're not trying to find something impossible, but it's like you have it and you hold it. And the journey is just back to yourself to find mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, it gives me all the feels and goosebumps and things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I, re- I heard, um, I listened to your magic poems so many times. It was so good because I first I didn't, I think it was the first one I listened to because I think it's first on your Spotify, but I didn't know what it was going to be at first because it was like, um, <laughs> You're like voice recording type thing. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it turned into this like powerful spoken word. That's just like truth. And then this Mm -hmm. beautiful song and the whole thing just carries you. Like it feels like a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so good. But anyway, the, the, yeah, the, the second one, I believe it's from the one I mentioned earlier of, uh, this is for you. I think it was Mm -hmm. called, Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure it's from that one, but you said, what if the thing that we're afraid of is not that it doesn't exist, but that it's lived inside of us all this time and we called it foolish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you were referencing magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that that line kind of comes off of, um, you know, I I still believe in, in magic. Um 
Hope that it is tucked in the wings of a butterfly or maybe in the dimples of a really chunky baby. And the Mm -hmm. colors of a sunset or the way that he looks at me and they may call me something like foolish. 29 years old and still believing in magic. But what, what if the thing we're most afraid of is not that it doesn't exist, but that it's lived inside of us all this time. And we called it foolish. Well, then call me foolish. Um, And I think when I say magic, um, you know, I'm not thinking of fairy dust, you know, I'm not thinking of like wands or anything like that. I'm thinking of this very tangible, real, um, ethereal meets very gritty, very raw human experience. that makes us alive, that makes us worthy, um, that makes us um, uh, beautiful, ultimately. And this magic being the breath in your lungs, um, being how you show up in the world, being how you love. Um, and I think ultimately, like this concept of magic, obviously, is a very um, fanatical and one a very um, other world fantasy driven one but to bring this realism to it of like no there's magic in the way the trees sway there's magic in the way waves come back to shore every single time there's magic in a baby's laugh and there's magic in every color of a sunset like there's this everyday kind of beauty um mm. that we are surrounded by and that we are um, and because it's like when I say you know magic people are like ah okay you know like wizards and fantasy but making a very tangible and very real thing um and so yeah and I think the ultimate fear is kind of goes into this Marion Williamson quote of our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that frightens us most we ask ourselves who am I to be talented, brilliant, fabulous, gorgeous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve this world. Um, and owning that magic um, is the diminishing of this smallness um, that we were never meant to feel or operate in. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy that this is recorded because I can't wait to go back and listen to I was about to say, I wish I was recording that, and then I remembered what we're doing. That is exactly what is happening. That is literally a very specific thing that we're doing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that is so good. Have you heard of the book, um, uh, Course in Miracles? I have not, but I love the way that sounds. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, like, is as big as a Bible. It's huge. It's, Mm. like... And wow. it's so, I'm just getting into it. My my friend, uh, Kevin Garcia, actually mm-hmm. told me about it on a, a previous interview. And I'm very, very much at the beginning, but everything I've read so far is so beautiful. And the first, uh, the first little part of it just defines miracles. And mm-hmm. the way it defines what a miracle is feels very similar to wow. how you're defining what magic is. It's like so oh, wow. tangible and like so many like, these little things and because I mean you're right like when you if you tell like just anyone on the street like if you bring up magic they're gonna think oh Harry Potter and like cool Mm -hmm. but no there's magic in everything and so Mm -hmm. 
you just have to look for it and look deeply yeah. and closely. And, oh my gosh, all the feels, man. This is <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Ariel, I have I have two more questions for you before mm-hmm. we go. Is is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, my my first question for you is going to be, you talked a lot at the beginning about how, uh, how like the practice of listening to your body and yourself and just like knowing when it is that you need, um, just like what your body needs, whether it's that specific piece of cake from that specific bakery, Mm -hmm. what has kind of growing in that practice looked like? kind of like what were ways or let me re-ask that uh, what were things that were helpful for you when growing in that practice I guess like asking for someone who would be like at the beginning of that journey of trying to learn to listen to their body like what are helpful things that you found mm. I think um I think knowing what you don't want is very telling, you know, mm. um, and I don't think we often listen to that very much. I have a, a friend, um, her name is um, Hannah, um, Hannah Brencher, and she she wrote in one of her books as she was trying to like rediscover herself. She said her friend took her to a restaurant and she was like, if I can't even decide what kind of eggs I like, like then that feels like the bare minimum of how to understand myself of like, I like my eggs like this. So she goes to a restaurant and she orders scrambled and over easy and over hard and all these different styles of eggs and hard boiled. And she tried them all to decide what even type of eggs do I like? Um, And I often think that we, we over complicate this process um and we often add too much to it when it can be so simple it's like how do you like your eggs um how don't you like your eggs like I love a good um eggs benedict but but I hate runny eggs you know so (laughs) when I get them I always ask for hard 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 poached eggs yes and I know this about myself you know and so I think just this constant I'm being in a constant state of learning about who we are of I'm constantly like if I do something I'm like huh why did I do that you know like what what just happened there? You know, like, why did I respond that way? Why, why was that my response? Um, and just being a learner of, of ourselves. I think we're naturally learners of other people. And, but how do we be learners for ourselves? Like asking ourselves, you know, date night questions or, or asking ourselves like, where, where am I at today? Like, hey, just checking in with ourselves. Like, hey, buddy, where are we at today? And the more we exercise that, like I said, um, earlier it's a it's an exercising and it's a craft you know so over time it's less of having to answer the of asking the question and more more of just being able to answer it um before there is even a question to ask and that being the relationship of like you live here um so you know here in this home that we take our shoes off before we come in our house or we have a boundary about things like this, or, you know, and so that constant learning process um, about who we are and 
and being able to, yeah, be a learner of yourself and starting there. And also a gratitude exercise. I think I find those very helpful of just like waking up each day and choosing um, a part of me to be great, to be grateful for. Um, whether that's like, oh, my freckles are really popping today. Like those are cute. You know, like I'm so grateful for, for these little pieces of stardust on my nose um, and constantly finding things um, to be grateful for. I'm grateful for my hands and the way they can pick something up and create something beautiful or the way they can hold my husband and um, things like that um, and finding moments of gratitude. So being learners of ourselves, um, and as we learn, finding gratitude towards those parts of us that we're learning about. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so good. I'm going to be taking all of those words <laughs> and using them like every day. I love the, oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Oh mm. gosh. Ariel, thank you so much for all these, all these beautiful words and beautiful thoughts and your story and, Wow, I have one more question for you, and yeah. this has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so just a heads up. It might throw you off a little bit. It's a different flavor than the rest of the podcast, but it's mm. also my favorite part. Um, okay, Ariel, would you rather have to convince the world that you truly believed that you were Hannah Montana? <laughs> you don't have to convince them that you're Hannah Montana. You just have to get them to believe that you believe that, that you're Hannah Montana. It's like a <laughs> total secret. You're letting them in on this thing that you know, mm -hmm. that you're like gifting this knowledge to them. Mm -hmm. um, would you rather that or would you rather everywhere you went, you had a bunch of baby armadillos on leashes coming like right behind you? <laughs> You don't get to explain to anyone why. They're just there. They're just part. They're your crew. They're like your backup girls. They're just with you. And you have to skip with them around. So you're just <laughs> skipping around town with a bunch of baby armadillos. Or you are under the impression that you yourself are Hannah Montana. I'm going to throw some of the visual of the armadillos are, is an is a ingrained one now, officially. That's good. I'm glad um, I can do that. But I will go with the Hannah Montana one. That is, oh. I feel like I could... I could very easily do that, probably, <laughs> probably a little too easily. Oh my um, but I just it made me think of like growing up. I would I would pretend to be Raven Simone a lot of times, oh, and so yes. I would like pause with my sisters and be like, "Wait, I'm getting a vision," and I would oh like stare God. off. It was like a whole thing. So I feel like I would get the Hannah Montana thing on lock. <laughs> oh my gosh, you had visions like Raven. I, I, I loved it. I did. Oh. Did I? I don't know. No, but I definitely pretended to you and, and did, did it well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now I have to go rewatch them mm -hmm. in Disney Plus. That just mm -hmm. brought back all the good memories. Yes. It was, oh. Oh man, Disney was, was good then. It was great then. Yes, it was. Raven, mm -hmm. so she was funny. She was so she was funny. So funny. So, like a lot of the yeah. actors and stuff, I'll watch back now, and I'm like, cool, yeah, I liked it because I liked it. But Raven had right. so much Raven, talent. Yeah, she was. She's probably too funny for Disney. Like I don't think yeah. Disney fully knew how to 
handle her almost. Uh-uh. Like, I don't know, but she's a classically ingrained in my mind forever and ever. Actually, yeah. I've seen her randomly in like <gasps> LA, Pasadena areas. Yeah. Oh my and so God. That's, that's been pretty fun. But um, yeah, she's, she's great. <laughs> oh, what a moment. If I could just randomly mm-hmm. see somebody at like, Ralph's or something Mm -hmm. or Whole Foods I would want it to be Raven she would be up there oh yes for sure goodness well Ariel thank you again so much how can people find you and your work your poetry Mm. what are all the Ariel things yeah, so everything is just my name which is Ariel Astoria that's A-R-I-E double L E um, E S T O R I A. And that's on Spotify and iTunes SoundCloud. If you're underground like that, um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram as well. You can message me there. I love responding and chatting with people. And then on my website, which is just rialastraya.com, you can find some merch items and also the books we were chatting about as well. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to go listen to your spoken words again. We have a long drive today and tomorrow oh my and for the rest of time. So I'm like, we're going to play them. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. But, thank you. Oh, gosh, well, thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. I'll wave at you if I see you at Ralph's, okay? Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, bye-bye.